The Confluence Story Gathering Podcast is a production of Confluence, a community-supported nonprofit with a mission to connect people to the history, living cultures, and ecology of the Columbia River Basin through Indigenous voices. Find out more at confluenceproject.org. Some tribal people did not receive their citizenship until the late 1940s. So that definition of who is and who is an American is a slap in the face to the people who have been here on Turtle Island since time immemorial. Welcome to the Confluence Story Gathering Podcast, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. I'm Colin Fogarty, Executive Director of Confluence. What does it mean to be an American? For some, it's a piece of paper that proves you're a citizen. For others, it might be a mindset, a set of shared values and shared responsibility, citizenship. But if your ancestors lived in the land we call the United States before there even was a United States, the question is more complicated. Today on the Story Gathering Podcast, three indigenous voices will explore the question of what does it mean to be an American? Our speakers were recorded during a Confluence conversation in May of 2020. First, we'll hear from Elizabeth Woody of the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs. That's a very loaded question, I believe. We have so many types of Americans. We have a lot of people who look at this continent, North America and South America, as the Americas. But how rightly was that named? I think that uh, most of the indigenous peoples have said this to be Turtle Island in the North American continent. And I have origin stories of the turtle emerging from this vast waters with mud on its back that formed the basis for the earth back in the beginning of time. And this earth itself is one being itself. So we separate ourselves from others when we talk about who is American. Um, the tribal groups in North America, particularly in the United States, were not U.S. citizens until quite late 1926. And we also have the voting abilities were also given at a much later date, but yet um, the citizens of the many nations of tribal America fought in World War II, were very much devoted to this country and in its protection and in its belief system. Now the basis of the U.S. Constitution and our government is often said to have been founded by fathers who wanted freedom from Great Britain, but a lot of those individuals and their wives were influenced by the Iroquois Confederacy, which had a matriarchal society and had a three-part system that protected its, um, well, protected the governance of its people. Um, they had the grandmothers who could dehorn a leader, and they had um, different systems in place to actually make judgments, proper calls. And the, um, Benjamin Franklin said, if these Indian people, neighbors of ours, could have such a civil government, so can we. And also the feminist movement is often now um, referred to uh, as basis for equal rights between the sexes. Had these women, uh, founding women of that movement, being close to and in proximity of the Iroquois Confederacy grandmothers and saw how American uh, Indian women were essentially given a lot of respect and power and equal rights and especially in property 
uh, property, of course, belonging to the, the mothers in that society. So we have, I think, I, I go back to it and think, you know, when, as an American citizen, I have a lot of rights and responsibilities. And that's what the United States government has, those rights and responsibilities. And the tribal governments have rights and responsibilities. And a lot of our relationship with this concept of America in, in that realm is based on treaty or agreement. And when the um, immigrants came, um, depending on which part of our history, all of them were coming here seeking what would be considered a democracy, which is also considered an infant and unreliable government, the United States. It had only been in existence for so long, and the tribes had dealt more with the Queen of England than they had with the United States. But people who came here, of course, believed in liberty and believed in the pursuit of happiness, which is not in every constitution and not every, is not a right of many, many other countries. And so um, that, for me, begins the paradigm of happiness. Who is happy to be an American? Who has privilege and rights in America? And how are these things decided? How are they uh, afforded? As a, an American citizen and as a tribal citizen, I have dual responsibilities as a member of the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs and the Treaty of 1855. And due to the relationships that we've built with one another and a very a long lived system of cooperation and collaboration, not only amongst ourselves and our families and our leadership, but we also have this with the land. And the animals on the land are considered our little relatives and they are treated as if we are their older caretaker, basically. So salmon and is our little brother, trout, our little brother, the elk, the deer, the berries, the roots, which are the edible roots that are on the land. And we have from time immemorial before we could, anybody could remember this um, respect, regard, and as well, I, I think of it as a symbiosis with these elements. At the Huckleberry Feast, we sit at the dining room table. At this table, we take each of these elements, including water, which is the first food, the first medicine in turn, so that when we ingest them, we actually use them. And that is a very sacred relationship that is hard to break. If I break that relationship, if I forget that these animals have not necessarily rights, but without their life, I would not be able to live myself. By ingesting these elements and respecting them, I want them to live for the next generations of, that are coming. Those living beings also have future dis descendants and we will continue this relationship for as long as possible. That was Elizabeth Woody, executive director of the Museum at Warm Springs. Next, with his answer to the question, what does it mean to be an American, is Chuck Sams of the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation. Really, that's just a piece of geography. There are seven continents in the world, Europe, Africa, Antarctica, Oceania, Asia, and North and South America. And so to me, when I was asked to pose this question, I really saw it more from a geographical sense. As an American Indian, I identify myself by the places that I'm from. The original name for the Cayuse is Walipu, the people of the ryegrass. The Walla Walla are the Walulapum, the people of the small river. The Yanktonye, 
The Yankton are the people who are at the end of the village, the bar farthest away from the village that live by the river. And Kokopa are the cloud people of the river. All of these are definitions of where we're from. So to be an American, you can either be from North or South America in the broadest sense. But to understand your place in United States history is a little different for all, each and every one of us who are considered American citizens. The late Vine Deloria said, all religion is geographical. And I can see the wiseness behind that. My religion, Tamunwit, told me how I became human because all people are human. And when I was stood up, I was given certain obligations to fulfill, certain covenants to uphold, because my existence wasn't happenstance. My creator created me from the roots and the berries, from the animals that lived on the land, from the dirt and the rocks that you see in our landscape throughout North America. The veins that run through me are the same veins that run into the, into the ground to the roots. My skin is the hide of elk. My eyesight comes from eagle, but my voice comes from the salmon. Salmon no longer talk. And the reason why is they gave up their voice to us completely. And those of us who live on the Columbia Plateau, who are salmon people, who believe in our covenant, we keep with all of those species to uphold them so that they not only provide us sustenance, but all humans sustenance. So to be American has some responsibilities though. If you follow the US constitution and you know that we didn't become citizens as American Indians until 1924 was the first round. And even then not every tribe became a part of the US fabric as American citizens. Some tribal people did not receive their citizenship until the late 1940s. So that definition of who is and who is an American is a slap in the face to the people who have been here on Turtle Island since time immemorial. So I think though that to be from a place, you have to have also some responsibilities. And the gap that we have seen here in North America has been that lack of understanding of those responsibilities. There are many people who call themselves American and they are. They are from a citizen standpoint, but yet they don't accept, accept all of the responsibilities of what that citizenship may be. Being fully present and being active in your government. Now, the United States is a democratic republic. It truly is a republic. It's a representative government. And it doesn't necessarily listen to all the voices of its 360 million citizens. And that can be difficult yet it's something it's still to strive for. I am happy that we have never lost that as American Indians. And I'd say that we're American Indians, and it's more important that we say we're American Indians on the broader sense because of the political ramifications in America. We are the only group of people who are called out specifically in the United States Constitution. And because we're called out as in the United States Constitution, we have a special and a separate relationship with the United States. While many of us were made U.S. citizens, very few of us were asked whether we wanted to be U.S. citizens. My grandparents, the late Charles and Ruby Sams, were born the year that American, became, Americans became, American Indians became U.S. citizens. And they say if they had had a choice, they probably would have just stayed in their tribal citizenship. My mother, grandmother would have stayed Yankton. My grandfather would have stayed Walla Walla and Cayuse. Because while they feel an obligation with the United States because of our Treaty of 1855 and that we agreed to mutual defense of each other. 
they still believe strongly that we had the will and the rights and the obligations under Tamunwit. And more importantly, we were more free as an Indian people before the other visitors started to come upon our homelands. Chuck Sams is Deputy Executive Director of the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation. Finally, with her take on what does it mean to be an American, is Patricia Whitefoot of the Yakima Nation. For me, I have to go back to my early childhood days uh, growing up in a community called Medicine Valley, which is at the foothills of the Cascade Mountains here in the state of Washington on the reservation because it's from those early beginnings that an individual begins to learn who they are and they how they fit into the wider world around them. And so for me growing up in that community, which was predominantly Yakima members who lived in the Medicine Valley area that I began to know who I was as an American. And during the time that I was going, growing up in my formative years, um, we were fortunate to be able to Uh, get uh, electricity at some point in our early life, but also to have some of those kind of um, utilities that we needed in our home. And so having been a part of that process, uh, for me, uh, just growing up in the community right near the mountains was important to me. And it frames who I am today and how I view myself as an American Indian. And so by being a member of the Yakima Nation, um, I have, I think, the wonderful good fortune, like my colleagues as well, to have dual citizenship. One being a a citizen of the Yakima Nation, the other also being a citizen of the state and, of course, the world. And so for me, that's important as an American Indian and representing uh, who we are as a people, in the in North America. So when I think about citizenship, and as I had alluded to earlier, the environment is what's important to me in the land where I grew up. The land holds a very special and sacred place to me where I was raised as a young child, and it continues to hold a very special place to me as a, as a grandmother and a great-grandmother today, um, because it's that particular knowledge and understanding that I continue to share with my my grandchildren today about who they are, where they come from, and how they relate to the wider world. And in that relationship uh, is uh, the need to make certain that we're being protective of the environment, the natural resources around us, the wildlife, etc. And so by being a part of this world that I grew up in that includes not only the the Yakima Reservation, but also the traveling that I was fortunate to be a part of with my elders, my grandparents and and elders. They exposed me to the wider world, you know, of the Northwest region by having family, not only on other reservations, but also in the urban communities too. And so then as you grow older, you become aware of the wider world around you. And for me, that wider world then extended, of course, into um, the Warm Springs Reservation, extended uh, into the Northwest where we traveled and we also harvested not only the, the berries and the medicines, but also annually traveled to uh, the Celilo to where the Dells Dam was in and had a 
the the wonderful fortune to travel with grandparents, my grandfather and mothers and uncles who fished there annually. And then, and because of that, that relationship that we have with the real, real, with the river, with the salmon, and again, with the plant life around that area, I feel a very heavy responsibility to that environment, including, you know, the times that I spent in the urban community as well, gathering the foods and the medicines again and, and the, the seafood that was available. And so that responsibility extends to th these natural resources that are a part of our life. They're also a part of our indigenous history and how, um, for me, I relate to the world, but I also transfer that knowledge to my grandchildren and students that I have worked with in the classrooms you know, at the K-12 and higher education level, uh, because that's what was taught to me as, as a young person. And so how I consider myself to be an American is I consider myself um, an individual from the first peoples of this land. And by being the first, uh, being an individual as a first person, on this land, then that also extends to the ancestors that were here before I was here. It also extends to the stories, the history, um, the songs, the ceremonies, the language that we learned and we continue to learn to share, you know, with our our families and children, wherever they are in the, wherever they may be in the United States or wherever they may be in the world, because at this moment, um, my my grandchildren, one set of them, uh, their ancestry extends from not just here on the Yakima Reservation, but also extends from Canada, uh, being First Nations descendant, uh, down to the Southwest amongst the the Hopis, the Navajos, the Te'oto Onams, um, and others, as well as um, Native Hawaiian. So that responsibility extends beyond just the the place where I call home here on the Yakima Reservation. So as a citizen then of the world, there's this broader responsibility that as indigenous people uh, that has been imparted with me, but also has been imparted in the children that I work with, the students that I work with, but also with the children around me. I'm very pleased to be a part of our um, Atopnish Creek Longhouse in White Swan, where much of this teaching continues to go on with the children that are part of our longhouse, but also amongst the sisters that I work with in the longhouse, as well as the brothers that are part of this longhouse. And so by you know, taking that responsibility for the ancestors' history, their knowledge, uh, their language, and how they taught us in terms of our culture, that is steep you know, steeply grounded in who I am and how I view the world and also how I impart, you know, the necessary, the essential knowledge and skills that I have to continue the transmission of this, of what I've learned uh, as well. That's Patricia Whitefoot of the Yakima Nation answering the question of what does it mean to be an American? Earlier, we heard from Chuck Sams of the Confederated Tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation and Elizabeth Woody of the Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs. To find out more about Confluence and the five completed sites along the Columbia River system, check out our website, confluenceproject.org. And remember, Confluence is a community-supported nonprofit. We can only do this work because of the generous support from the friends of Confluence. That's you. 
Join us today at confluenceproject.org. And thanks for listening to the Confluence Story Gathering Podcast. For more episodes, visit our website or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.